Hi, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Kirby Method Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. I am very fortunate today to have with me Whitney Benjamin. Whitney is a healing artist and a movement teacher. She is the founder of Play Every Day, and she works with somatic athletics. And so we're going to dive in and talk to her a little bit more about what that means. Whitney identifies as an empath and intuitive healer. She's a mother, a wife, daughter, sister, and friend. At a very young age, she began experiencing pain in her own body due to reading and needs and emotions of her family and friends. She grew up playing competitive softball. She played and won a national championship at UCLA, and she played professionally in Italy. After leaving college, Whitney worked in the wellness industry from roles at Lululemon to the CPG world in marketing and product development. Back in 2019, she identified discomfort being caused by emotions and psychic abilities and was dealing with anxiety and depression. At that time, she started working with a somatic experiencing therapist and has moved forward every ever since. When it divides her time between being a mom and working with female student athletes, with a mission to develop the psycho-physical intelligence of young female athletes. She also works with tarot and hosts medicine ceremonies for loved ones. And I love this line. You say, Whitney, I'm a healing artist who has had to work hard to anchor my psychic abilities and utilize physical and emotional pain as a map to well-being and spiritual awakening. I feel like that one sentence really says a lot. So thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. So I love, I was saying this before we started recording, I love how many things you do and how you've really pulled so many things in together. And and I really love that you talk about having psychic abilities and how that's been for you. So, I mean, maybe we can start there too, is when you talk about working with your own psychic energies and abilities, what does that mean for you? a really great question. So it's something I've had to really, it wasn't always available consciously to me. I knew I would get these downloads from people and I would just have this like sense of knowing from someone without ever meeting them. Or I, you know, you, a lot of intuition I think is based on data. Like we are pulling in millions and millions of like reading facial structure and stuff like that. And so for a long time, I um, had a pretty you know, wonderful childhood and also like moments that were really difficult. There was a lot of death in my family. Um, I like to think of myself almost like a death doula. Uh, Like I've sat with loved ones and grandmothers and godmothers and held them through kind of the death portal. And I think that it reveals the kind of pulls back the veil of these, you know, worlds that we're in. And so I would say in the last like six or seven years, I really realized like, oh, this is beyond just like, I have pain in my body and I'm experiencing anxiety. Like I'm actually getting downloads from people and I can actually like sense their thoughts and intuit their feelings and know what has happened to them without ever knowing it. And so I've had to really learn how to ground that and anchor that and also know like what belongs to me and what doesn't because I would just absorb everything kind of based on my childhood and kind of how we grow up. But yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a very interesting process of getting to know myself and also like I think initially I tried to just block out those abilities and that's where all the pain really came from and so being able to like 
have a download or filter it through. And I've learned how to build like a pretty big force field. <laughs> I know it sounds pretty intense, but yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting path of getting to know myself and getting to know kind of my abilities and how to bring that into the world in a way that's not, you know, scary for people and also gives people the privacy of their thoughts and emotions. But yeah, it's been a very interesting journey. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, that was a great answer. And I, I mean, I feel like there's, we just don't talk about this a lot, right? And in society. And so I could see that being really confusing. Yeah, just even as an empath, sometimes I don't think we really give the proper, like the proper accolade or focus to like, hey, this is actually happening and it's real. It's not something that you're too sensitive or you're making things up. And so I love that you just address it so openly. Um, yeah, I think I'm working with that kind of personally too, with trying to bring my work to the world and being very professional, but also like, yeah, this stuff is real and it happens for all of us or for a lot of us mm -hmm. on some level of can we, how can we come in and ground and work with those force fields and continue to do healing work in the world with, with knowing our boundaries and having differentiation. Yeah. It's yeah. Someone like Carolyn Miss has been really helpful for me. I don't know if you've read her book, but Anatomy of the Spirit, I know she has lots of other books mm -hmm. and courses, but she, I read her book, Anatomy of the Spirit years and years ago. And just the way she would talk about working with clients and just saying like, Hey, I, this is something I'm seeing in you. Like you can take it with a grain of salt. And I think that's what's, what I've learned in kind of intuiting from people is I'm not always 100% right, but I'm always picking up on some sort of energy. So if I'm in a place of like, my vibration is low, my vibration is dark, I'll also pick that up in someone else. And so I will just often, you know, I don't tell someone what I see for them unless they ask me, or I ask for permission to give them like a read. And usually I'll just say like, take this or leave this, but this is what I'm seeing, or this is what I'm feeling or intuiting. And then it gives that person almost sovereignty over that, if that makes sense. And they can take it or leave it. But yeah, it, it's an, it really is a vibration that you pick up on. And it's also cues, it's facial cues, it's someone moving if they're ticking, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. So it's, mm -hmm. and I do believe everyone has this ability. Some of us have just had to like, probably use it for our own safety to know, you know, if you grew up with people in your family that maybe had any type of like mood disorders or whatever, like, it, it's a trauma response to be able to intuit what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It helps yeah. keep you alive. And I love what you were just talking about, like in the somatic experiencing world, which you probably know, like we'll talk about picking up things in the resonance. And it's been a really interesting part of my own development as a practitioner where I really trust that now. And it, it's, it isn't right a hundred percent of the time, but it's right a lot where if I'm not sure where to go with someone or I'm feeling, or if we're just in conversation, we're in a session, I really will tune in and I have to stay tuned in the whole time anyway with that work, but just notice, oh, huh, this is what's happening for me and then bring it up to them. Like, hey, I'm noticing this in my own, you know, resonance. How does, is this true for you? And yeah, it's just really fun to talk about. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. I think it's, it's overlooked in a lot of ways and it's because it's not something we can specifically measure. But there, you know, if you just look at the nervous system and the way in which like we are communicating with other people without ever speaking, like so as you know, so much of dialogue happens without actual words. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't there also be that energetic exchange as well? Yeah. And just claiming that it's like, I don't know what this is for you, but this is what I'm seeing. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or tell me I'm tell me I'm wrong. 
like tell you know like claim it as your truth or not mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah it's an interesting path yeah and i like how you talked about it gives them sovereignty over it which is so hugely important um just to be like yeah this is your body and your feelings and you're empowered to experience them and communicate them to me um yeah so yeah when you talk about and I want to hear more about the the work you do. Definitely when you talk about somatic athletic education, it sounds like a lot of the work you're doing with these young female athletes is some form or many forms of nervous system regulation. Yeah. And I'm curious if you could just share a little bit more about like merging that with athletics. Like how do we work with nervous system regulation in the middle of a game or in pre- pre- preparation for a game? My pleasure. Yeah. So I kind of, I'll try to keep this long story long shorter, but I had a very interesting recruiting journey, making it to UCLA. I had initially been recruited by Northwestern and that was like my dream school. I wanted to go to journalism. And when I was on my recruit trip, two of their pitchers went down and I was an infielder. And so they had to give my scholarship to someone else. And I come from a very like modest working family. So there just was no way I could actually go to Northwestern. And at the time, there was a lot of death in my family and a lot of my uncle had had a nervous breakdown. Like there just was a lot happening. So I kind of was in, I would say in collapse to kind of use like a, a term from your world. And I, I really wasn't ever to get able to get out of that. Even though I made my way to UCLA, I, I walked on, which means I didn't get a scholarship, but I, I did it in the later years I earned one. But I always identified as that young um, 18 year old that like got rejected by Northwestern. And later on in life, I started practicing yoga. I became a personal trainer. I started learning just, I just could not stop learning about the body. And when I was 19 at UCLA, like I had so much inflammation. And I think it was because I was just like holding on for dear life and I couldn't emotionally process the intensity of being at a school that always com- competed for a national championship and also like not identifying with the fact that I should be there. I just was like brutally putting my nervous system and my emotions like in a place where they just couldn't win. And so years ago, I met this woman named Jen Richardson. She's local here in San Diego and she's a yoga teacher, movement teacher. And she taught me a lot about like the David Weck method about like coiling the core and doing these different things. And we together developed a methodology called mixed yoga arts that she's still doing and running with and working with that in the world. And we did it, we created it with like the idea of bilateral patterning. So you're moving left, right, left, right. And as you do that, you're, you know, you're tripping almost on your own DMT. And we started working with athletes at USD and we would teach them these very simple movement patterns, like the teacups exercise, where you just are like following your hand and not trying to spill your tea. And we would have these college athletes like speak about their experience. And one kid had like, had a career ending energy and injury and was doing the teacups and he got like physically stuck. And it was a huge light bulb moment for me that if we added movement to this type of like nervous system regulation, especially for athletes, like that's the way through to them because they'll sit down and they'll have a conversation, but like they're really good about being in their bodies and moving. And so what I do with athletic somatics, which is kind of like my methodology of teaching um, I really want to continue to work with female athletes in particular, but I do a combination of bilateral patterning and breath work and just attunement. So they understand moments of their nervous system, but we kind of cycle through, like we start with 
kind of grounding in and intending like greed feet up. And then we get into like bigger athletic movement patterns and shorter mobility. And then at the end, we do some sort of discharge or we scream or we yell or we use our vocal tone. So like they're just using their body in a different way, but the whole thing goes through like a movement exercise, if that makes sense. But yeah, it's been really wonderful just to teach girls like very, very simple things. Like when someone is going to a game or if they're like getting in the batter's box and they're about to hit, they'll do this big breath where they go and they exhale and it's charging and that upregulates them. And so just teaching them like a breath where they're going really slow inhale, like slow exhale through a straw, it, it changes their regulation at the plate. And so it's just stuff like that. And then also teaching them ways of sitting with failure and processing it and holding themselves through it and having vocal to- tones and touch and like safety regulation. It's been really powerful. And a lot of my girls are not only like becoming more athletic, which is wonderful, but you can just see their presence changing in the way that they walk on in the field in the world. So it's been really, really rewarding and something I really want to continue to share. But I hope that that answers it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's such a huge gift. I feel like you're bringing to the world of like young female athletes because I don't I was never a college athlete. And it's my nephew was a college athlete for a while. And it just what I know of it, I've worked with some college athletes as a PT, certainly not exclusively, but it seems really intense. It seems like there's almost like a just a ton of nervous system override that needs to go on to compete and and professional athletics, too, I'm sure where you need to compete at this high level, and you've got to like pick yourself up and keep going. And I guess how does and maybe this is just a tag along to the previous question. How does this having these young women who are like more embodied and showing up and are able to listen to their themselves more like how does that work with sort of the the larger message of override? Um, sovereignty. It brings them back to sovereignty because I think there's so much to say about this and I don't want to go on a whole tangent about student athletes, but specifically collegiate athletes, like they're a commodity. There's really no other way around it. Um, especially if you're at a big school, like you are there because you are there to perform. And so even though the best coaches, the most loving coaches in the world will say like, first comes school, then comes softball, volleyball, whatever, then comes family or whatever. That order is never actually true. It's like at all costs, get on the field. So it's a lot of times what I'll see with girls is they'll have an injury and they'll go into the training room and you, and we do this just as, as adults as well. It's like something's happening in our, our female like reproductive system. We go into the doctor and we're like, what do I do? And with this work where I'm bringing them into their bodies and having them into it and, and understand the difference between like physical injury pain and actual pain that potentially is emotional and stored pain, it gives them like a little more sovereignty and a little more self-assurance to be able to have dialogue, not only with their trainers, but also their coaches. And I'm just trying to get them to really vocalize more and see themselves more as like a whole system and a whole person as opposed to just an athlete. That's a lot of the dialogues we have in community when I do like workshops with teams and workshops with bigger groups, like a lot of the dialogue is around like identity outside of being an athlete. And like, you are human first and foremost, and let's get you into your body so that you understand it. And and we also do like cycle mapping in terms of like how to train with your cycle because there's points in your cycle where, you know, it's better to be sprinting and doing all these intense activities when you're ovulating. And 
you know, a lot of injuries happen when someone is on her menstrual cycle, like a lot of knee injuries, like torn meniscus, ACL injuries happen during that time. So just giving that girl the sovereignty over that knowing, even though they may not be able, they have a game on the day that they're on their menses, there's that just is what it is. But I invite them into like more recovery and more like, you know, self care in those moments. So it's, it's really just giving them a map to their own body that hopefully they can take and run with. Yeah, that's so wonderful that you bring in the cycle mapping as well. It's so important. And it's, it's almost difficult to believe, well, also it isn't that we've never, or that's just now sort of becoming more something that we're bringing into the common language. Yeah, the U.S. women's soccer team did it the last time they won the World Cup, not this last one go around. I'm not sure if their trainer is still with them, but they actually trained like on a cycle schedule and they were more athletic, more dynamic. And I think it's just like, it's beyond the physical, what your cycle can give to you. It's power. And I, and part of my hypothesis is that if I can teach a female athlete how to be in her body, she'll also influence the culture. Cause that's where I learned really everything. Like the first time I had a boyfriend, like my teammates, you know, told me like, this is what you can expect. It wasn't someone at school. It wasn't a teacher. It, and it was like, when I got my period, it was a teammate that like told me like what to expect and what to do. So I kind of just, they're already happening in a community. They create this little bubble of, you know, a community. And so I feel like if I can just infiltrate that with a few girls that have a little more knowing about themselves, it'll kind of ripple out. Yeah, I'm sure. It's wonderful work. Yeah. It's really rewarding. And it's it's very also healing for my own journey of like what I went through as an athlete. Because if I had had this methodology and this knowing of myself and this deeper connection to actual athletic movements, like, my career would have been really different. And I don't have any regrets over that. Like I said, like pain has really been my map to my well-being. But I definitely want to share this with more young women. And I love working with the female athlete population. That's great. Yeah, I'm glad that you are. Do you have you found that you get cut pushback from more traditional coaches in this work at all? I wouldn't say pushback. I would say the barrier to entry is sometimes like the female coaches get it. Like if I have a dialogue with a female coach, she immediately gets it. But what's happening now in the culture, specifically in softball, which is where a lot of my work comes from, um, softball is the third highest grossing sport for like ESPN and major TV networks. It goes men's football, men's basketball, women's softball. And so from that, like a lot of them have also come into the coaching of the sport because there's just more money in the sport. But if, if I have a dialogue with a female and say like, this is what I teach them, this is why I teach them. And not to say men don't get it. I'm just saying like women get it a lot faster. And um, a lot of times, you know, I see 12 year olds doing CrossFit workouts and they're, you know, doing kettlebell swings and their knees are buckling out and they, they're little baby giraffes. And so I'll go in and work with teams and I'll just have like, Hey, like, let me just do a free workout. Let me just show you my methodology for 45 minutes. If you love it. Great. We'll book some sort of like session on that out. And that's usually what happens is I'll do a a complimentary workout. And because my girls seem to get not only like stronger physically, but also mentally that I just keep getting callbacks. And I think the time is actually right for this movement of having more like emotional sovereignty and, and really mastery of emotions and nervous system. Like 
few years ago, it might not have been, but there's been so much dialogue in the sports world and also a lot of, unfortunately, like suicide and mental health breakdowns, specifically in collegiate sports, that I think it's like the time is right for this. But yeah, really no pushback, just like a little bit of like, there's a barrier to entry of like education of like, what do you mean you're working with the nervous system? That's not something that is in a coach's dialogue. But if I say like, I'm going to help this girl recover from failure, and then she's going to have more presence at the plate, they'll be like, okay, I get that. But they definitely want to like, see a stronger body, like that still wins the day. Yeah, sure. That makes sense in the world of competitive athletics. Yeah. What was it like for you playing professional softball in Italy? How was that experience? Oh, that that experience changed my life forever and in the best way. Because playing, like you were saying, your nephew played college sports and it's intense. It really is. There's, if you go to, I mean, if you go to any program and play, like that really is your full-time job. You don't, you're a student, you're an athlete. And so I didn't have like the typical college experience where I was going to parties and traveling the world or taking semesters abroad. And so I, right after I left UCLA, I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to like figure out how to, I don't know, be a lawyer. It just felt like the path and my godmother died. And then that was like my senior year, my junior year. And then almost a year later to the day, her son died and I was working at a law firm and I just had this moment of like, there has to be more in this life. This is wild. And I got an email like within that moment that was like, Hey, we know you played softball at UCLA. We, we have a team in Parma, Italy. Like, would you be interested in coming and playing for the next six months? And I was like, absolutely. It was like, <laughs> I didn't go. even, I didn't consult my boyfriend, now husband. I didn't consult anyone. I just was like, I am leaving this law firm and I am going. And I had a really transformative experience. Just we grew up in this society as women where so much is based on looks and I still have to check myself all the time of, you know, weight distribution, whatever. Like I really don't care in a way that I used to, but I, it's, it's still like a background layer. And I would be with these Italian women and they just walked through the world so much differently. They were just happy and full and there was no, there really wasn't any body image that like were, you know, like they didn't have the same shit for a lack of better word like in their head and that seeing that and also just being immersed in a culture that was centered around families and centered around well-being and centered around joy every day like just changed so much of my perspective of the world and I realized that like I wanted to I wanted to learn how to be in my body and I wanted to be in wellness and I wanted to like not go back to my job at the law firm. And yeah, it really changed me because I was able to see a lot of Italy and I was able, it was the first time in my life I was ever alone and didn't speak the language and had to sort my community out and everything out. And yeah, it was really transformative and it made, it kind of pushed me into this career of wellness. And I saw that Lululemon was hiring in San Diego when I was coming back. And I was like, I will go do that. Forget the law firm. <laughs> and yeah, it just, it woke me up to a different experience of like, we grow up and we see what's in front of us and what's modeled to us, whether it's like stay at home mom, that's what you see, that's what you do. And then you go have this massive cultural experience and you realize there's so much more than I didn't, I don't think I really realized that there was a different career path or a different life path for me until I lived there and saw just a more joyous life. 
It's so great. Did you learn Italian yeah. while you were there? Did you end up learning, learning some of the language? No, not really. I can, when someone speaks, I can, I know what they're saying and I can, I can kind of like, I can, it's interesting because it's very much based on like a Spanish dialect. So I'll speak a combination of Spanish and Italian to someone, but I really want to go back and really immerse myself and learn because it is actually a really, really beautiful language. Yeah, it is. I've been learning little bits of Italian. I'm going to go over there in December to go rock climbing. And so I'm, I I was like, I'm going to ask her about Italy because I'm curious. Uh, And I I really love what you said because it's, I'm, I love the idea of just spending a large amount of time outside of the influence of U.S. culture and to really get a better look at like all of the subtle ways that we're influenced, you know, as women, just as humans, because I think it is so vastly different in other cultures and other parts of the world. These women, I think if anything, I've been on like a journey of understanding my own embodiment and also teaching women, whoever, to also occupy their bodies. They just are that. They just were that. And so it was the first time in my life I was really modeled that. And even like playing softball at UCLA, like I played with Olympians who were gold medalists. Like they didn't occupy their bodies in the way these women did. They did on the field, but off the field, it was just different. So it had a really profound impact on my life. I'm glad you went. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, me too. What part of Italy are you going to? It's TBD, but I think... We were going to go to Sicily for climbing, but it's a little hard to get to. So I think Salerno, there's some good spots in Positano, a little bit Very north cool. and south of, of Napoli. And I've been to parts of the Amalfi Coast, but not for climbing. So this will be a whole different ball game to try to figure out. Wonderful. Yeah. Enjoy enjoy every moment of it. <laughs> hey, so I'm excited. I'm going to bring like my little recorder and just meet interesting people and be like, come on the podcast. Totally. Absolutely. You know? So fun. Yeah. So we can switch gears just a little bit. I are you still doing the the journals? Because they're such that's how I first found out about your work. So I'd love to hear more about the the play everyday journals. Yeah. So we started a publishing company and back in 2021. And so we did five journals and we've cut paused for now just because both like my business partners and I just realized like our work in the world was becoming emergent and it was difficult to keep up. But yeah, we that was that's been a really wonderful, interesting journey just to be able to like have stories from different humans and just follow like the body through movement and healing and grief. And what was really interesting is every journal we created, it's like we embodied the lessons of it. So we did a whole issue around like grief and repair and it's like we went through the underworld like we will never do that one again let's do love on the next one um but yeah getting into publishing was um a really cool really wonderful experience um but we ultimately decided that we all wanted to be back in the world with like working with our hands and i think it'll probably come back and um i can see what i want to do with my work with female action athletes is actually like publish like handbooks and like textbooks. And so I can see a lot of that work like coming into form as a publisher, like through through that realm of having a little more, because what we tried to do with Play Every Day and Source Journal was to tell like different, all range of like human stories and then couple it with movement. And then now I want it to be like a little bit more of, this is a specific guidebook for the female athlete body. And like, here's, here's what a movement anatomy looks like. And here's what cycle mapping looks like. And here's what nervous system emotional regulation looks like so that's kind of where that 
piece of my career is going. But yeah, it was a, it's been a really wonderful journey having captured so many human stories. And yeah, I just see it more now going into like more educational, more specific, and less all of humanity. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And what I, I mean, that's so needed too, I'm sure to that way. It's, you know, that one to many model through publishing and having guidebooks like that. Mm-hmm. But the play everyday journals that are out there, I would advise everyone to go take a look on Whitney's site. It'll be linked in the show notes because they're beautiful, beautiful books. Thank you. Yeah, it's really just it is lovely to sort of take a walk through someone's experience. And the, you know, the photos are so beautiful. And it's just very well done. Thank you. Yeah, they're very much they're very much evergreen. Like the stories that are in each issue, they really go they're timeless. And so you can they're not they it's not it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. They're all like pretty profound and we tried really hard to make it like a very photocentric but also like we just the stories and the humans that we were interviewing, we just wanted the photos to really like mirror the level of wisdom that we were getting from each human. So thank you. Yeah, they're really wonderful. I'm super, super proud of them. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So take a look. There's a few that are still available. Um, Mm -hmm. Some are sold out, but there's still some. So go go take a look. And then anything as a a middle-aged woman who's quite active and athletic, I am wondering if you can give us like any tips that you find particularly helpful for a lot of my audience is also middle-aged women or women that are out of college. But as we do get older and as our bodies change, and this is something I've been writing and and speaking about a lot more too, is really being able to work with this phase, like as we're in our thirties and our forties and we're noticing Mm -hmm. things are different and we need to support our health and our athleticism a little different. Any sort of carryover that you found to be, and I'm sure there's probably more than one thing, but anything that you found to be particularly helpful that would be beneficial to older women who want to do yeah. nervous system regulation and stay athletic and active? And I think total body mobility is really underlooked. And so on a daily basis, I've really created a very like intuitive movement practice for myself. And I love trying to invite women into doing the same. And so we hosted like a few immersions and deeper dives where we went with women for like six weeks and just taught them the process of going from the ground up and really actually like I would show you and stand up but like smashing your toes and like rolling your own ankles and doing that on the ground and standing on top of them and opening up your hands because what we found was like so much of like injuries, not only in athletes, but as we get older, there's something I have this like massive bunion on my foot from wearing cleats my whole life. And so I have to work really hard at smashing my toes and creating foot mobility. Otherwise, I will have knee pain. And so I think just working with your feet and hands and loosening that up is like a really important overlooked step. And then the other thing that I think is really powerful is teaching all humans like single leg glute activation and getting really good at being on one leg and then being on the other and going really slow, like just going all the way down to the ground and all the way back up on a single leg and then just becoming way more lateral in the way and the ways in which we move. But yeah, just going from the ground up, like stretching your feet, smashing your toes. I love teaching women like self-touch and like finding the lines of their body but yeah, they, one of the things my business partner on the journal and also the movement practices, Jen Richardson and I always talk about is like 
we do yoga in this little rectangle, but our world is in a rectangle. Like we have to move so much more laterally. And so I like to teach people to not only rebound and shake and move energy, but also just turn on a song and dance and move and add fluidity. But yeah, the single leg glute activation, like teaching that to someone on top of the hand mobility or the foot mobility, I think is really life-changing, especially as we get older and also just a lot of hip movement. I think we need to do like a class for like the follow-up. <laughs> we can yeah. do like a whole, a whole embodiment practice. But yeah. like I teach my, I teach all women this just like hip movement mm-hmm. and moving like a serpent for whatever reason just really helps move energy and synovial yes. fluid. But I know that was a lot, but I hope that's a little bit helpful. Yeah, that's great. I think you're really yeah. speaking, you know, to my heart as a PT and also I'm a belly dancer and you know, oh, so rad. much of that like circular and serpentine movement and taking up lateral space and just like working with your spine. And I feel like it's so inherent to us, particularly as women. I feel like these are mm-hmm. movements we've been doing really since the dawn of time. And mm-hmm. so like the fact that we don't do them as much. And I do this even with, I'll work with, you know, people in their 80s and 90s and I'm having everyone do some hip circles. And oh, what do you notice? How is that for you? And at least touch into it a little bit. Yeah, and I love single leg glute posterior chain activation. I did a bunch of that recently in training for a backpacking trip. So I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't want my knees to hurt the way they usually do. Exactly. It was money. It helped so much. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad you said that in lateral movement. Exactly. Like our world mm-hmm. isn't just linear. So how do we have fun and play and take up space and all of the space around us? I loved everything you said. It really does make me want to move. So yeah. I and I, I also think that we have this you know, idea that you need to be either in a gym or a fitness class and it takes an hour, but it really doesn't. Like some days I'll move for five, 10 minutes just be and I because my practice is so sacred and inherent to me, like I have to move every day. But you know, even today, like I I woke up with anxiety because there's been a lot of changes and grief and things in my life that I've been processing. And so I just did like a full like I mean, I just moved and shaked and stomped and made noise. And it probably was like 11 minutes, if that. And I must, I felt, you know, the anxiety was gone. It, it goes, it moves. But it's just giving yourself five to 10 mo- minutes to actually listen to your body and then move accordingly. That's why I really like the serpentine motions, because if you're like moving from the ground up as a serpentine, you will find the places in your body that are cranky. And you'll be able to like alchemize that or work with that. Yeah. But it just takes a little bit. It's not like calories in, calories out. You got to make a deficit. It's that's, I'm so sick of that. It's like, yeah, it's just move, just move intuitively in a way that brings you joy. Yeah. Yeah. Joyful movement. I'm a big proponent of this. And I love what you said too. It doesn't need to take a long time. It really doesn't. And it's such a rapid state changer, even if we don't go into it with the idea of wanting to change our state, it inevitably will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just walking, walking has been whenever am I, I am in a tough space in my life, walking just that bilateral long movement patterns is super, super, super helpful. And and I'm like the weirdo walking down sunset cliffs where I'll just like be moving my hands and I don't really care anymore. (laughs) I care a lot less, but you know, I have three kids and this is the time in which I'm going to move. So I'm going to find, you know, the spaces that I feel cranky and, and move that energy. Yeah. But yeah, it, does, it doesn't have to take a lot. It really doesn't. No, 
It's great. Yeah. And it's not about calories in and calories out. It's really just, and the intuitive piece too, to move. And I think that even just learning how to do that or even cultivating awareness that we can do that, I think can be a really Mm -hmm. big deal for people. Like just how does your body want to move? You know, what Mm -hmm. is, what if we just start with one arm or one hand, what happens? Like if you Mm -hmm. listen, how does it want to move? I feel like that can really help with the sovereignty piece as well. Like, oh, this is my. It really does. Even if you just give like a framework, like when I, when I teach girls or take them through like a four week course, like we'll start with, this is the movement framework we're going to go through every day. So it's going to start with some sort of grounding. We're going to like find our feet in the ground and then we're going to find like mobility in our feet and then we're going to just like work up the chain. So when you're at home and you are doing this on your own, start in your feet, start connecting with the ground, smash your toes, open your feet and then start like moving up the chain, whether that's like pounding your legs and and bringing in blood flow and then getting into your hips and getting into your spine and then getting into your shoulders and neck. Like I'm just teaching them like go from the ground up to move and you will find the places that actually need to be released or need um, a little more time. And I try to teach like one simple movement pattern that kind of like layers onto itself. But yeah, teaching from the ground up, a, a really profound yoga teacher taught me that years and years and years ago. And it actually is very helpful because it gives someone a place to start. It's like mm-hmm. start your feet, move up and don't ignore the knees don't ignore the thighs and it's just but it is and people like to be led and they want to feel i think you know you and i keep using this word sovereignty but it it really is i think the somatic experiencing piece that you do and the work that i do in movement and trying to to just cultivate an awareness of a nervous system like it is sovereignty at the end of the day because then you can go move into the world and you don't need permission or you don't need someone else to like teach you and show you but we've been so afraid of creating an injury or creating whatever but the body is way more intelligent like it knows how to birth it knows how to die it knows how to move you just have to get out of the way sometimes and it's also really nice to be led by someone yeah sometimes it's great um Mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to do both it's nice to not have to be led every time that you move yeah absolutely Thank you so much, Whitney, for being yeah, here. Um, my pleasure. Yeah, this it was wonderful. To, yeah, it was great to hear more about what you do. And everyone, please check out Whitney's website. And there's some information for her Instagram and everything is linked in the show notes. And then I like to end on the tagline for this podcast is come home to your body. And I know mm. we've talked a lot about sovereignty and coming home. But maybe if you could just speak briefly to what that means for you, what came up in the resonance, even as I said that for you. Um, yeah. I'm just like looking out the window right now, kind of like orienting and it's just like the leaves are beautiful and green. I think, and I say that because I don't think that my, my body has always been a safe space for me to come home to. And I know that I kind of had this cut off from the neck down mentality of like, okay, whatever's happening in my body, a doctor is going to tell me, you know, like I had a a time in which I had a doctor just like very nonchalantly tell me like, you're not going to have children on your own. We're going to have to do in vitro this, that, and the other. We're going to get you on drugs right away. And it was just like, so yeah, matter of fact. And also just like, it was like, she was saying, you know, it's Tuesday. It's going to be all right, but it's Tuesday. And coming home to my body was really realizing that I could work with the different energies that I was having that like I wasn't absorbed and just defined by the pain that I was having emotionally and physically 
And yeah, I've had some really intense moments in my life with like anxiety and depression and what I've learned through that process and working with like somatic experiences that like we can alchemize like whatever is there, we can integrate it. And so coming home to my body has allowed for that. And it's also, I think, really given me my life's purpose of working with other women and working with young female athletes. And I just want to give people permission to be in their bodies and to know that it's safe and know that they have more sovereignty than what maybe a doctor will tell them or what they're you know, hearing from a partner or whatever, like the body just doesn't lie. Like it, it might create a charge that's like some sort of unintegrated experience, but it's teaching and it's, you can utilize pain as a map and you can also move it if you don't constantly over identify with it. So yeah, long story long, like I think coming home to your body is in a lot of ways coming home to God, your source, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's coming home to like the love of yourself and this like one vessel we're given in this lifetime. To have a soul's experience. Yeah, it's a beautiful answer. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful question. <laughs> Thanks. It really got me. I think you saw me. I was like, oh, that's, that's deep. <laughs> I almost didn't ask it, but it seemed like it was in the residence. I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's yeah. sacred. The body is so sacred. Indeed. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure.